And today and we're going to be... Oh, oh God. Jesus. Uh, Look what we did. I guess we got to kiss now. Oh, buddy. That's all geez. that works. Jeez. <laughs> How have we, we not are, done that in like 62 episodes? I, I don't know. Six, 63. That was 63. the magic number. We should have waited six more and then we could have gotten it on the perfect number. Um, The sex number. Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, the stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Nathan. And I'm Justin. So today, we are going to be talking about the UGA versus Georgia Tech game and breaking down all the narratives and stats that you need to know and probably yelling about Paul Johnson, if we're being totally honest. And Atlanta traffic, maybe? I don't know. We'll get in yeah. there. The varsity, which one's better? I mean, the Atlanta one's better, let's be honest. Yeah, that's fair. It's, it's okay. There are good things in Atlanta. It's just like... One of them is obviously not that like up-jumped math high school in the middle of the freaking thing, <laughs> middle of the freaking perimeter. Um, so before we get too far into things, I will say, uh, well, there's two things, two housekeeping things. One, I am out in the boonies. I'm in North Georgia right now, and so I'm recording on top of a boathouse. Uh, and so if anything weird sounds uh, come through, if anything strange happens or, or sounds weird, then that will probably be why. I'm also using a different microphone, and I'm just out, like I said, in the boonies. And the the, the second housekeeping piece is there is no UMass review. <laughs> Yay! We just had just, we have a life, and UMass. Mm-hmm. Here's what you need to know about UMass: it was three points away from being a perfect score for UGA, and in the same way that Alexander wept when he had no more worlds to conquer, I feel like if we actually scored exactly 69 points on a Rodrigo uh, Blankenship uh, kick, I would cry, I would weep because there would be nothing left for us to do. That would be the last episode of Chapel Bell Curve. So yeah, we'd wrap uh, that's this all you really got to know. Yeah. I also want to say that there are Thanksgiving preparations going on in my house. And because I'm not a jerk of, of course, like that's going to just continue. And also oh, yeah. because I, I have no control over what happens in my house whatsoever um so (laughs) just if you hear a little feedback on my end that's what it is but we will endeavor to move on so So let's talk about this georgia tech thing yeah let's get into these subjective narratives um i'd say off the top for me the number one thing is that uga has not won um a game against georgia tech in several years when we are in athens that's very interesting i think it's been since 2012 was the last time that we won in athens um and i mean that is sort of one of your classical like narratives in the in the in the pure sense that it just has to do with what's previously happened and isn't really predictive of anything it's just something people say when they don't know what to say i don't know i mean do you have any responses to that particular one uh i mean it's it's hard to quantify you know any sort of fields um effect on a game although we all know like just from the eye test there's definitely an effect that being in certain places it, it definitely changes the way players play but it, it's really difficult to quantify anything like that so it's not something yeah, I, I would mean, spend you, too much time on you get an average of like two or three points on for a home field advantage i think is yeah. the number but i don't really know that how much of an effect if any that's going to have on this actual game you know i i think that there is something to be said for the like two days after thanksgiving in athens and it's a dead crowd but if that like that doesn't really totally hold out because the crowd's not really dead in Atlanta when it's like 60,000 UGA fans, you know, I think exactly. a lot of those losses have just been UGA losing. I mean, that's and what that it is sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I will. Uh, so, so other subjective narratives that are being thrown about, I'll read you some, just like normal, uh, some, some news that I'm hearing out and about in the Twitter sphere and random sports blogs and things like that. And you can kind of give me your, your, your general idea uh, of how you feel about certain things. You ready for those? So w- one thing is, Making a case for why Georgia Tech is Georgia's most important rival. 
I mean, that's just objectively not true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that. Here's, what about here's this game makes them the most important rival, though? I mean, you could okay, you could make a case that Georgia Tech is our most important rival in the sense that this is the. I think you can make a pretty good case that this is the te- the team that Georgia least wants to lose to, just because of like mm-hmm. the interpersonal things that go on. But if you want to talk about the team as a whole, I mean, if this was our most important rival, I don't think that. Kirby Smart would openly be saying that he would prefer not to play a, um, a triple option se- uh, team at the end of every year. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I mean, he didn't say that he didn't want to play Georgia Tech, but there was definitely some like, well, I wouldn't mind if we didn't, you know? <laughs> and so like the even the fact that he's to that point, I think is pretty impressive. I'm also seeing uh, a lot of stuff talking about trying to draw, draw uh, parallels between that Citadel Alabama game and this game coming up on us because there was a whole lot of uh, you know the Alabama and Citadel game, they, it went to halftime, ten ten, both teams, and Alabama just didn't look like they could pull away, and so a lot of people are thinking that this game, because of the triple option being the offense that's chosen by both Georgia Tech and Citadel, it may have some similarities to this game. So, what do you, how you feel about that idea? I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like that it will in the sense that. George, I mean, the triple option is a good offense in the sense that it does like sort of smooth out the differences in talent between two teams. And so, and yeah, I also do expect this to be, I, I expect this to be a pretty close game, especially at halftime. I expect for this to be a pretty close game. So I, I do, I do think that there is some merit to that, but I, I don't know how much I buy that like all of a sudden, like they're going to come in here and be up 10 on us or be up 15 on us. I don't know. I, I think it could be close, but I don't know how much that bearing that has because, I mean, if you say that you believe that, then you also have to simultaneously say that you believe that we'll outscore them 50 to nothing in the second half because yeah. that's what happened in the Alabama game. And the, a few more pieces, a few very key roles that are, are doubtful and questionable against this Georgia Tech team. And this is something we should worry about in uh, Monty Rice and Cade Mays are both questionable to return against Georgia Tech. Do you think that's just very intentional no. keeping them out because we need them next weekend or what? Um, no, I, I think that's real. <laughs> I think yeah. that's really real. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I, I worry about that. I think that it is, it's pretty scary, especially Monty Rice. is. It's pretty scary um, just because that's, you know, he's our best, most consistent inside linebacker. And this is a team that needs inside linebackers you know other than that i'm, I'm not i don't know i, I feel I, i'm not really super worried about Cade mays because i just feel like that the the depth that he's developed that sam Pittman has developed over the past honestly just two seasons has been really impressive and so you know i'm i'm a little bit worried for of him if we have another injury but we've survived really well with a whole bevy of offensive line injuries this year i think money rice could be a real problem and we can talk about more how that'll play out you know, as we get into stats and what these two teams look like side by side. Uh, did also, another little piece of news that came in while we were sitting here is that Aaron Murray is going to be playing football again, but he's going to be playing for that new football league that is uh, that takes place like between like summer. Oh, the, the spring, the spring football league. Like yeah, the, the spring um, football league. He'll be playing for Atlanta, the Atlanta Legends, I think they're called. Uh, but but it's, that's, that's I did not exciting. know that. I'll that's awesome. Yeah, I love I love him. I love Aaron Murray, and I hope want nothing but the best for him. It was a yeah. real bummer to me that he never kind of stuck in the NFL. I mean, I understand yeah. why. I, I I think he's a great guy. So I'm, all the best I think, to him. Yeah, under the right quarterback, I feel like he definitely could have figured it out. But it, it, One you know. of the subjective narratives, and I, this is sort of related to what we were saying earlier about how, you know, is Georgia Tech our most important rival? But I do think one subjective narrative, have you seen the um, the exchange between the two schools' official Twitter accounts that I'm happened? Yeah, tell us all about it. Okay, so... I think one kind of narrative going into this and something I'm reminded every year in the Georgia Tech uh, game is just how much Georgia Tech fans hate UGA 
And it you really cannot... There's nothing like it in UGA fandom how much Georgia Tech hates UGA. The words to hell with Georgia are permanently written into Georgia Tech's fight song. So anyway, Georgia Tech, their official Twitter account, replied to something from Georgia's official Twitter account. Like the, the Twitter account, not for the Athletic Association, but for the school, replied saying uh, with a, not saying, but with a gif of the last play from the national championship. And then Georgia... Uh, the official Georgia Twitter account responded, this is a pretty savage response from a school whose uh, football team didn't make a bowl last year. Oof. Um, yeah, so that one that one hurt. And what what's great about it is that like everybody at Georgia Tech, we know that they saw that last play in the national championship because they were at home with their mothers uh, went during bowl season. <laughs> yeah, It's always yep, nice yep. when you get to see your loved ones on New Year's Eve, which was that was a very Georgia Tech experience last year. Yeah, but I, I think one of the narratives going in and this is sort of a perma narrative, so I don't even know if we would call it a narrative. It's just a fact about the way the series works is that Georgia Tech fans hate Georgia more than anything that Georgia hates. We don't understand the depth of their hate. Even me, for all of my yelling, I don't understand how much they hate us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and that's also something to think, keep in mind when we go into tomorrow um, or Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. Today's Wednesday. When we go into Saturday, just remember if you're at the game that um, if you see a guy wearing way too much white for it to be November uh, who is like, I don't know, 20 pounds underweight and very pasty and pale. <laughs> and he's screaming obscenities at you. You should just ignore him because that's, that's the best way to deal with a Georgia tech fan. Just, ignore Let's just him. let that one go. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, remember they're not bad people because they're nerds. They're bad people because they're bad, mean people. And that's, you don't have to, you don't have to call them nerds when they're mean to you. They're just bad, mean people. I'm a nerd and I'm a nice person. Right. But mm-hmm. sort of, yeah, Georgia tech fans, they're just bad people. It's fine. We don't need to qualify it at all. So let's talk about things we know about Georgia Tech. So we can talk about numbers. And uh, if you have anything you want to share about the Georgia Tech band, perchance. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, I don't talk crap about other bands. I will say this. I will say this. In the past like 10 years, Georgia Tech's band has gotten way, way better. Way better. They've they've always had a very good drum line. um, And they had sort of kind of a down period. And they've gotten, they really improved. Uh, There was... Georgia State starting their own band program kind of hurt them because for a while Georgia Tech was taking Georgia State and Emory students in their band. And I don't know when that ended, but I know that Georgia State started starting their own band program, kind of pulled away some talent from them, but they have gotten a lot better. Um, they have a very interesting way of constructing their shows, which is this sort of inside baseball. But I actually, I this is not even me. This is not a euphemism. I think this is genuinely interesting. What they do is they learn four tunes at band camp. Okay. And then uh-huh. every week they change one tune. And so every week the show is different because they figure out like another way to thematically like stick them all together. And they like change the order of the songs and stuff. It's very weird. It's interesting. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, But it's a turnout. Yeah. I mean, it works. I, I've, I, every time I've seen it, it's worked, but I think that that's because like by the end of the year, they're all the way through the rotation and they've gotten to where all, all three of the songs are like sort of together thematically. I've heard that there've been a couple that have been like, okay, I see that. It's kind of a stretch, but I see it. That hangs. But every time I've seen it, it's worked. Um, cool. Do you want to talk about some stats? Yeah. I just pulled up the Winsipedia for these guys, Georgia, yeah, and Georgia yeah. tech. Uh, yeah, let's, the, let's talk about the history of this. Yeah. The current series, Georgia is winning 66 wins to Georgia tech's 41 wins. There are five ties between these two teams with Georgia having the last win in the series last year out in Atlanta, the largest margin of victory between the two teams for both teams really is the 51 to seven that Georgia took in 2002 longest win streak does belong to Georgia tech with eight between 49 and 56. So we have a little ways to get there, but before that happens, uh, but Hey, we're on our way with one winch win right now. Maybe we'll get another one this year and 
just kind of barrel our way down to nine. That would be nice. Anything else about historically about the season that you see? I'm having to like go back between phone and uh, mic and like move things on the screen at the same time. So this is funny. But, <laughs> do you want me to uh, pull up the Do you want me to pull up the Winsipedia before, between these two? No, I've got it now. Uh, we okay. we still have you know looking down at the very bottom of the sheet. I always get to see like the you know the all time records, bowl games, wins all time, yada yada yada, Heisman winners, national championships. So there is there are only two areas down on the uh, all these stats that Georgia Tech actually comes up uh, and is better than Georgia in. And so and some would argue that these are pretty important. You know, one of them being national championships. They have four national championships to our two, and then fifteen mm-hmm. conference championships to our fourteen. Though the rest, we just totally blow them out of the water between like draft picks, Heisman winners, uh, All-Americans, bowl records, all-time wins. We have 818 to their 735, and our all-time record is uh, 65% to their 59. So, it, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. <laughs> they have some... never spent a week at AP number one. So there's that, yeah. too. We've had 15. Okay. Feels pretty good. And other news about uh, another little historical lesson about Georgia Tech football that probably many people who are a little bit older than us already know is that Georgia Tech um, was a uh, founding member of the SEC or of, of the SEC of the Southeastern Conference. So they actually have two uh, SEC titles. They lost. This is really, really crazy. They OK, so Bobby Dodd is like their big is like kind of like their Ben, ben Stooley, but older. He, he was he kind of worked a little bit um earlier and he got he got them two um sec titles in 1951 and 1952 but georgia tech actually left the sec the sec not because of georgia but because bobby dodd hated um, alabama he hated he hated uh, bear bryant so um <laughs> when tech was visiting uh, uh legion field in 1961 alabama fair caught the ball and um a tech uh player continued to play and like smashed their elbow into one of the other the one of our Sorry, a tech player stopped playing and an Alabama player continued playing because there was a fair catch. And the Alabama player like smashed his elbow into the guy's face. And since there were no face masks in 1961, like super messed up his face, like fractured his um, face and broke his nose. Fractured Holy his face. Hell. Yeah. Um, so because of that, um, Brian and Bear never suspended the guy who smashed the Georgia Tech player's face. And so Dodd, who was like a notoriously like old school cranky coach, just like like who was also at that time, I think the athletic director um, just, that was the, basically that was the moment where he was like, I think we should leave the sec. Um, <laughs> and the other thing, and this is really funny considering the issues that came up in the past few years is that another reason was that another problem that Dodd had with Alabama and other sec schools was that they uh, basically oversigned players. Right. So like during summer practice, um, sec schools would bring in like 25 extra players and then cut them, during uh, summer practice so they couldn't go to other schools so they would have to come back and walk on huh. which is actually which is actually pretty crappy but also yeah. that's just what would happen and so um basically in 1964 dodd withdrew georgia tech from the sec just unilaterally just kind of like meh just came up and yeah, tech, yeah tech stayed independent for the final four years and then in 67 i think that's when they got into the athletic the aac yeah so gotcha. that's just an interesting thing. Anyway. That is really interesting. Yeah. A little bit of Bobby Dodd for you. Hey, you want to hit us um, with some numbers? Yeah. Let's talk about some numbers. So Georgia Tech currently per S&P Plus, they are 7-4. and four, They have 5.8 second order wins, which means they are probably more like a 6-5 and five team right now. Yeah. Um, if you're looking through their schedule, they – let's see. Where's that, where's that coming from? Okay. So they beat Virginia Tech 
uh, with the final score of 49 to 28, but they only had a 58 percent win um, win probability that day, and that was just because uh, I think turnovers had a lot to do, if I recall correctly, in that game. Virginia Tech is favored in basically every advanced stat, but still managed to lose the game just because of turnovers and havoc plays. But yeah, so they their losses this year are to South Florida and a kind of inexplicable loss to a bad team, um, Pittsburgh, who turned out to be okay. They lost to Clemson and then they lost to Duke. But they have won the last four over Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Miami, and Virginia. Interestingly enough, their postgame winning expectancy in the Virginia game was one percent. They wow. were just as yeah. So they won they won the Virginia game thirty to twenty seven, but the adjusted scoring margin was twenty three point six negative twenty three point six points, which which means that they probably should have lost that game by like three touchdowns. And A that whole game, bunch. Yeah, that game is itself like pretty befuddling. Like. Um, looking at success rate, Virginia, 69, 69, 11 in the third quarter, and then 65 in the fourth, right? Those are staggering numbers for success rate. Georgia Tech, 33, 31, 33, 36. Literally, I mean, that was the whole game. Like, this is a game that if you took all these stats except for the final score and put them into just, like, an average game simulator, that uh, Virginia should have won by, like, about 20 points. Virginia outgained Tech. They ran more plays. They had more drives. They had the same number of scoring opportunities and an average of better field position. They just crapped the bed hard. Yeah, they re- yeah they really did. And I'm trying to find the turnover numbers. Oh yeah, so Virginia only had one turnover margin. Interestingly, hmm. uh, Virginia or that did give Georgia, Georgia Tech did have 3.7. Georgia Tech has been incredibly lucky on turnovers this year, which is something else we'll talk about. Anyway. So, so like I said, they're probably more like a six-win team per second-order wins. They're a 55.7% S&P Plus team. Uh, their S&P Plus margin is 2.5 points, which means they're only 2.5 points better than the average team. They're kind of just an average team. They're 63 overall. Offensively, they're 28th. Defensively, they're 100th. And special teams, they're 18th. They went down, fo- they, <laughs> they went down four spots after beating Virginia. Interesting. Um, yeah, offensively, efficiency, they are third in success rate. They are seventh in marginal efficiency. Very they are, good. Yeah, they are 111th in ISO PPP plus and 60, 65th in marginal turnover <laughs> or marginal explosiveness. Their average field position is 23rd offensively. Finishing drives, they are 32nd. Defensively, uh, turnovers, expected turnover margin 71st, actual turnover margin 14th. That gives them a 3.5 turnover luck points per game on the average. So they're getting about one turnover that, uh, that they shouldn't each game. Defensively, they are 123rd in efficiency. That's very bad. Guys, that's, that's very, very, bad. very bad. They're that's 100, really bad. Yeah, they're 123rd in success rate, 117th in marginal efficiency, 17th in ISOPPP plus, and 24th in marginal explosiveness. So we can expect them to shut down our explosive pass game, um, you know, unless we had some sort of top 10 explosiveness numbers oh wait we totally do so anyway uh field position <laughs> defensive field position they're 56th and points per scoring opportunity they are 125th they're giving up 5.46 points per scoring opportunity meaning you're about two points more likely to get a touchdown on them than you are to get a uh, field goal man this is a very lopsided georgia tech team yeah it really is i mean i in some ways it, it just is the georgia tech team that's been here for the last few years they're very good efficient rushing offense if we look at their personality stats they're third in standard down run rate. They're third in pass down run rate. Not shocking. They're adjusted pace. They're 42nd. That's kind of shocking, but it sort of makes sense. They get up to the line pretty quickly, and they only have like four plays. Percentage of total tackles, 60th. Home run, havoc rate allowed, 8th. You know, it's hard to give up havoc plays when you're just running for two yards on every play. Defensively, their overall havoc rate is 110th. Somehow worse than Georgia's. 
their defensive line havoc rate is 77th their linebacker havoc rate is 129th which is pretty awesome considering what we want to do is just run the damn ball uh their db havoc rate is 33rd and their passes defense to interceptions is 92nd really i think my stats worth highlighting is (laughs) if you consider that these two teams are both marginally efficient very they're very close to each other in terms of efficiency on offense really to me the difference in this game is UGA's defense versus Georgia Tech's defense and it's pretty lopsided in that sense I mean Georgia's defense is just I mean even even though this I think is in many ways an average Georgia defense well not even average this is not as good as it was last year Georgia even its worst never had 123rd success rate I just don't I just uh, you know this kind of spoils my takeaway from this game I just don't understand how they're going to get stops I just genuinely don't it doesn't make much sense how they're going to do that at all. I mean, we're more of an efficient, uh, offensively efficient team, though, you know, our, our explosiveness is definitely, it's a huge portion of what we do offensively as well. But it, it just doesn't, I don't understand how they're going to get stops. Like, even if they're getting scores in this game, just based off their efficiency and they're, if they're able to, like, run all over us, I think we'll just continue to outscore them the rest of the game. So I don't understand. There's no way, there's not no way. I will not say no way. I, I don't see many options, many scenarios where this game goes towards Georgia Tech. Yeah, I mean, I I hate saying that because we always lose games to Georgia Tech when we when we yeah, shouldn't. Yeah. But that's just kind of what it feels like to me. I mean, you know, looking kind of deeper into the stats, it's very interesting because their rushing S and P plus um, is actually only sixteenth because they have a marginal efficiency of fourth, but a forty forty fifth marginal explosiveness rushing. They, this is not a home run hitting team. They just get three yards, and if you can get enough three yard carries, like you will win games doing that. Opportunity rate is four, stuff rate is four. So like they're just going to get carries. You know, um, on the other hand, and this is interesting, is like their standard downs marginal efficiency is fourth, but their standard down marginal explosiveness is 71st. So it's like they just are not getting a lot of explosive plays. Their standard down sack rate is 125th. That's really interesting. You'd think that their their sack rate would be way lower, right? But it, it's it, they're 109th in, sac, in standard down and 100 or 109th in passing on 125th in standard down. I guess that's because when they pass, they're not very good at it. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. This is a team that we definitely know what they're going to do. They're going to run. They're, uh, you know, one of our big issues um, on defense, of course, has been the run game for most of the season. But I think that even though our run defense is a little bit weaker than maybe our pass defense or even our our, our defense against explosiveness, um, I think that that weakness is actually going to be a strength here because we know that even though they're running the triple option, they're going to need to run up the middle and you know take advantage of our inside linebacker weakness, though. With that, you know, because even on the outside, even if they're running on the outside, they're running jet sweeps, they're running around, um, you know, the corners and everything, they're going to get tackled out back. But if they're running up the middle, once again, we're making this team predictable by using our own weakness to our advantage in a way. Is that something you think that it, is that crazy to think about or is that even? No, I mean, I, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, I I think ultimately it's like uh, the way I think about it is kind of similar. It's a slightly different like way of be a heuristic to think about it. But the way I think about this game, and I think about this game this way pretty much every year, is that they're going to get their yards, and what they're going to do is going to work most of the time. But you only have to get them in third and long a couple of times to break their plan. See, they, and this is, this is the thing, ultimately. They don't have a good enough defense to stop us. And yeah, off, you know, turnovers could happen, and we could just come out and have a bad day and be flat. And if we do that, we could lose this game. I mean, they're they're... They have a good enough offense that they could definitely beat us. But ultimately, the way this game always goes is if you get them down a couple of scores, it puts them in a real bind. And especially it puts them in a bind this year when they're just going to have a real hard time getting stops. I already I really think this is going to be a game where 
of the i think our first four running backs are all going to be very important in this game i really do i think everyone from swift all the way down to harrion and cook are all going to be important in this game because i ultimately just don't think they can stop them i mean this is a team this is a team that ran for over 200 yards against the third ranked rushing defense in the nation and certainly kentucky has flamed out since then but i just don't i mean ultimately I don't see anything. If we look at their defensive numbers, it's just like 123rd standard down sack rate, 95th standard down marginal efficiency, 105th rushing marginal efficiency, uh, 98th stuff rate, 120th passing marginal efficiency, 110th passing S&P plus defensively overall, 104th, 114th passing downs S&P plus overall. I, I, where is the, where is the, there's no number that tells you that this uh, tech defense is going to be able to stop our offense. And no. certainly, we are going to have a bad demoralizing day on defense, I think. Not bad. I think we're going to have a day that's going to be very frustrating. They're going to get yards on us, and they're going to score. But ultimately, I just don't see how they're going to... Unless they cause a bunch of fluky, stupid turnovers, which is what they've been doing for most of the season, they're not going to win this game. We kind of covered our stats worth highlighting. Do you see anything we else did, yeah. on here? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I just I think it's really exciting to know... We always talk about predictable teams. We always talk about wanting to make sure they're predictable. And this is a team that is the most predictable team we can possibly see, despite running the triple option. And I'm just excited yeah. about being able to see that. Well, I mean, if you look, you know, I think if you look at Georgia Tech's, like if you look at their box scores, it's really interesting because it's like, I think that their their passing stats are always really interesting. So like last year, last week in a uh, last week in a win, which albeit was a week, uh, you know, when they shouldn't have had uh, Taquan Marshall, their their number one quarterback was one for eight for thirty seven yards Jeez. in a sack. They had a they had a negative point three five yards per attempt on standard downs. It's just it, that's rough. That's really rough. I went and saw. So, so one thing I didn't get to talk about my past weekend is that I got to go see the App State Georgia State game, and I was so thankful for SEC football, UGA football, and just the teams that we get to play all of the time because I was sitting there watching that poor Georgia State quarterback throw throws like throw these wobbly balls that I could probably throw, <laughs> and I'm like, I I have no business on a football team. That's what Taquan Marshall's. That's what I mean. That's what his passes are going to look like. Like yeah, exactly. So, like, for instance, like, you know, Taquan Marshall in maybe his best game of the season um, against Bowling Green, they won that game like 63 to 16. Taquan Marshall was, uh, what, five? He was five for six uh, for 160 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. So it's just like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't even see it. I, I, I really, it's hard for me to imagine that A, this tech offense is going to be a hundred percent successful because ultimately that's no. what they have to do. They have to have yeah. no bad drives. If they have no three and outs in this game, then yeah, they got a pretty good chance of winning. But if they have any three and outs, every time they get a three and out, the pressure mounts on them more and more and more. Cause this is not a team that is resilient at coming back from behind. And, you know, I think Johnson would tell you that, well, okay. See, this is a team that's pretty good at coming back from behind. If you get them behind early in the game and they've done that to us, that's how they beat us last time they were here is that, we got up to this big lead and then we just sort of crapped it away and missed kicks and had turnovers and all this. But like, if we keep the pressure on them consistently through the third quarter, this is a game that's going to be hard for us to lose. Not impossible, but hard. All right. So what do you, what do you want to see on this game, Justin? Things I want to see. I definitely want to see this team become less successful uh, just across this game since they are such an efficient team. Uh, I want to make sure that, that we're putting pressure on this team. Um, They're a team that their statistics alone just say like, their their havoc rate uh you know on offense havoc rate allowed is not is, is pretty low and that's just because they're they're moving around so much the triple option kind of allows that it, it fights against a team that that plays more aggressively and i don't think that we have to be that aggressive in order to to 
stop this team or to bring them to three and outs necessarily. I but I definitely want to want to see you know their offense allowing a, a bit more havoc than than we're kind of known for this year. So I, I'd like to see that happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I what I want to see is just I don't want to see a lot of coverage busts. And when you play Georgia Tech. What that what a coverage bust is is not a cornerback waving his hands in the air as someone runs by him. A coverage bust is uh, Georgia Tech pitches it out to the left, and you have two guys out there to block three men. And ultimately, like that's what, or two guys out there to tackle three men. And ultimately, that's the issue. If we can just play sound coverage, I think we're going to be fine. And I would point out that like actually, Natrez Patrick for all of his troubles, like Natrez Patrick has played very good against Georgia Tech. You know, traditionally, like Patrick's problem has a lot less to do with, you know, running inside than it has to do with like getting lost in traffic and not being a very good pass defender. But I don't really think that's going to be a huge issue against Georgia Tech. Hey, what are some Georgia Tech players that we have to lay out for? So who's going to be getting these balls? Who's going to be uh, running all over us if they so, are running all of us? Yeah. So, I mean, they've got two, they basically got two quarterbacks that they rotate between sort of like one the injury has kind of caused some of this but their number one player is Daquan Marshall he's their quarterback um he's 40 for 88 for 755 yards for the air four touchdowns four interceptions through the air however he is also their leading rusher he has 166 rushes for 913 yards at 5.5 yards per carry 11 touchdowns and 44.6 opportunity rate very good their number one um they they don't use running backs they have a backs and b backs so they're their number one b back uh let me see if i get this right i think their b back is like their inside dive guy he's usually yeah the b back is like the dude who takes the belly pitch or the or the belly handoff who goes inside on the dive so their number one b back is jordan mason who has 102 rushes for 634 yards at 6.2 yards per carry which is very good because most of those are up the middle their number one a back and that's the guy who takes the pitch um, is Nathan Cottrell, who has 41 yards or 41 attempts for 324 yards and 7.9 yards per carry. You know, <laughs> receiving wise, their number one wide receiver has 13 catches on 30 targets for 214 yards for two touchdowns. That's Brad Stewart. Not that worried about it. Um, defensively, I mean, <laughs> there's not a lot going on. No, here. there's not a whole lot going on. Uh, their leading tackler is a defensive back, so that's not great for them their second leading tackler is a defensive back brant mitchell is a senior he's their leading uh, linebacker tackler he has 38 and a half tackles five tackles for loss and three sacks eh, i'm not that worried about them <laughs> defensively eh. i don't i don't want to be dismissive i i i, I never want to have like my cold takes exposed but this is just a team that de- their defense is just not good like it's not there's, n- there's no even if this team comes in here and pitches defensive shutout against us which hey pro tip they're not but even if they yeah. do do that that won't make them any better of a defense that'll just mean we had a really bad day because they've been really bad this year really really yeah. bad but yeah those are kind of the guys you need to look out for uh number one would be Taquan marshall he's sort of the dude he's the the straw that stirs the drinks and you know a drink and on days when he was hurt <laughs> well he's, he stirs all the drinks there are multiple drinks I've, in the football i've never game. heard that before i like that uh the straw that stirs the drinks you never heard that no no drink um but you know if he gets hurt, which I don't want him to, but it's always a cha- always a chance when he's you know basically their number one running back. If he gets hurt, they have Tobias Oliver, who is a step down because he's a freshman. So that I think that he definitely Taquan Marshall is definitely the guy that if he has a bad day, they'll have a bad day. So let's hop right into our predictions. You want to skip over over unders because I don't have any. I have not written any down. Well, well, I have three, and I'll record what okay. you say. All right, that sounds great. UGA over under three hundred rushing yards. 
UG, I, I definitely think this is a game that we're going to run the ball a lot more. This is going to be a game where collectively, I think our quarterbacks have less than 10 passes on the day. We're just going to keep the ball on the ground as much as possible and, and run, run, run. So run, you're going to so take I think it, over. That's an over. All right, Georgia Tech over under one interception. Well, you know what? I'll make it even more interesting. I'll say 0. 0.5. 0. 0.5 interceptions. Uh, I say over. I think they throw at least five times in the day, and we're going to pick one of those off. Yeah, we're going to disagree on all these, aren't we? Um, I think so. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We'll we'll be right or wrong together. Um, yeah. I also think over right just because if we're having a good game, they're going to have to throw the ball. And if they throw the ball, they're going to throw a pick. Justin Fields over under 10 snaps. I would point out Justin Fields got 25 effing snaps last week. He so. sure did. That boy ran for 100 yards, too. Man, that was a time. I think he'll go. I, I, I think he'll, he'll, he'll have 10 snaps. Let's do it. Let's say it. All right, I'm going to say under just to be contrary. And I can also sure. just see them. I can also just see them if it's a close game, not putting him in. All right. Yes. Predictions. So per S&P Plus, this is a 24, 26.3 point game. Uh, UJ is predicted to win by 26 points. There's a Tech has a 6% win probability. Per bet online, Georgia is currently at minus 17, 17 point favorite. So just that kind of gives you some gives you some you know specific numbers to look at so what is yeah. do you have a prediction for this one sure smp plus also i will i will note that smp plus is not usually uh betting um more than the vegas odds there they're usually yeah. a little bit under they're a little bit more conservative with their their guesses is all uh, which they're not guesses yeah I, I definitely think this is going to be a game that's kept on the ground a lot more and when we do pass through the air there will be explosive plays uh that, that end up coming through so we'll see a bit of that i think this is going to be one of those those very typical like last year, early year, this year, Jake Fromm games where he throws like eight passes and seven of them are completed and he's going to have like 140 or 50 yards on the day, I think, and, and a couple touchdowns to the air. So with that in mind, I think it's going to be easy to score on this team. Uh, I think that they're going to get theirs too, and that's totally fine. Um, I'm not super worried about that. I could see this game being somewhere around uh, UGA like 45-ish, 45 to Georgia Tech's 21 we'll give him 21 that's a that's a very very generous estimate i feel oh man um, you got you got really close to mine really <laughs> yeah it's okay it's okay no that that's kind of what i'm thinking yeah it's 45 21 is that what i said 45 yeah yeah i'm All gonna right. say that georgia tech keeps it close and they score way more points than we're comfortable with in the first half but ultimately we have a couple of explosive plays that really just put them in the hole I think I think you're right. I think Jake Fromm's gonna have a pretty good day against the defense, even if we're not gonna throw it a lot. I think he will have some explosive plays. I'm gonna say UGA 42, Georgia Tech 28. So okay. that would have them. I think we both have them to cover, but Georgia Tech sort of getting there. So like you said. All right, now cool. it is time for the uh, everyone's favorite separate uh, segment. Ask CBC. Ask CBC. And as you all know at this point, most likely, if you hit us with a hashtag AskCBC on any of these social media platforms, we will answer it right here on the show. You can have your 15 minutes of fame here on Travel Bell Curve. Or you can just good old-fashioned email or yell at the tall guy with the band uh, whenever you see him there in Athens no, or, or beyond. There are multiple the tall guys one. with the band. I am the tallest one, but just make sure you know, you know, make sure you know that it's me. Make sure you, you know. Start, don't just scream at my coworkers. <laughs> uh, the very first question comes from Ed Ludekit, uh, who's screen name right now his handle is have you hated tech today yes uh Ludicat asks you have the option of replacing gt with one non-conference opponent one do you do it and two if so who do you replace them with he says bonus points if you don't use clemson although i think they're probably the natural fit i would agree with that sentiment as well i'm so, gonna yeah, say who, who do we replace them with 
yes i i do because i think that would piss them off because we they would be texas a&m and we would be texas and we could just act like we didn't want to play them even though we kind of do but we sort of don't you know what i mean uh, and that would really make them angry and they would stay up at night and be like nah i don't want to play you i don't think about breathing <laughs> deeply into your ear every night i don't have a body pillow made of you oh, that's what they would do what it's okay that wasn't me knocking fan culture it's okay no, it wasn't body not pillows. at all no Everyone um, has body pillows. It's fine. That's, it's fine. I have a body it's pillow. Just, you do. If we stop playing Georgia Tech, then Georgia Tech collectively is going to have a body pillow of UGA, and they're gonna. <laughs> it's gonna be really weird, and there's gonna be this like real violent sexuality in their relationship. So yes, I do do it, and I would replace them Juju. with. Heh. Hmm. Who would I replace them with? This is a good. I have. I have. I have an answer, but I'll give a different answer because it kind of relates to a response we got to this question. So mm-hmm. I would say I would replace them has to be someone geographically kind of close that's yeah, not in conference the Eastern time zone. that's interesting you know who i might replace them with is virginia tech i think that's a good game clemson I, like game. I think clemson is the most i think clemson and then um is the is the number one the one that makes most the most sense there's another one that i think makes the second most sense uh but i'm not gonna say it now because it relates to another question and then i think the third one would be virginia tech i think that's just sort of a fan base an interesting fan base like relationship and you know, Virginia Tech has a really cool, like, deep history, um, and it would just yeah. be a great game every year. So, can I replace... Uh, Matthew Dibbling actually replied to this reply and said, can I replace Tech with another SEC West team instead? Yes, sure, you can. Who would you replace if we were going to take a... If we were going to take, like, a ninth conference game that didn't count as a conference game from the SEC West, who would you, who would you put there? Uh, I like the idea of playing a and I like a and I would say LSU, but a and is a good answer. So... Yeah. So, Wright said Fred Redemption, then replied to that and said going to complicate this if no one minds if you did this and the replacement was in florida so you could have a home home with florida school along with the world's largest outdoor cocktail party who would it be fsu miami usf or ucf i like miami just for the the salt there (laughs) (laughs) just just to kind of get the juices flowing on that one yeah yeah that's good i like that i think i would say uh i think i would say florida state okay i just i think florida state there's actually a lot of similarities between these two programs in a lot of ways and we have a lot of shared history with mark richt and um, I just think that's generally speaking a pretty good game and it's not too bad of a drive. I mean, it's a long drive, but it's not like Virginia tech long. I actually, I would almost take them above Clemson almost just because I think the, that the culture and the fan base match up really well. And Clemson, Clemson is like the playing Clemson is like playing. It's like the thing from the Spider-Man cartoon where it's two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. That's what, <laughs> like, cause like the, the schools, I mean, we're a better school than Clemson, but you know the the culture and where the schools are it's very and similar yeah. are just very similar and there's something a little bit weirdly incestuous about playing clemson every year um, i'm happy They're we very do close. it yeah i'm happy we do it but it's it's a little too close next one's from ryan clark he asks what do you think is the worst part of the terrible no good very bad triple option offense uh cut blocking is dangerous relic of an outdated it's age very it, should dangerous. Be banned. it should be banned we, we ban head-to-head collisions we make people wear helmets we should ban it and yeah, I don't care that it takes away an equalizing force. We should ban something that hurts people. It's not shocking. People are talking about taking... I can't... Fu- okay, hold on. I'm going to try another cuss in this so that you don't have to edit out as many much. I can't believe that we're talking about taking away the kickoff, which I'm for, or taking away punting, which also I'm kind of for, but we're not talking about taking away cut blocking. Something which is just... A, it's bad. It's just a bad practice. Just recruit yeah. better. I don't, I don't know what to say, man. I don't care if it makes it. Yeah, sure. It makes the sport like marginally more boring because, you know, you, you have, you have this offense that doesn't exist anymore that helps, you know, worse teams upset better, more talented teams. But, and yeah, that sucks. But ultimately like people get their knees blown out and never play football again. I, I, I don't know how you can be in favor of a practice like that. 
Alan Munger comes with us with another question. How would you rank our rivals in order of most hated to least hated? And can you ever see a day where we don't play tech every year? Yes, I can see that. I think if yeah, I think there's a world where we don't play tech. I don't think Kirby's that interested in it, and I don't know. I think especially if like Paul Johnson hangs on for another five or six years, that we might not. How would I, don't I think rank it does much for our yeah? It really doesn't do much for our schedule either. Yeah, it doesn't do for much for our schedule, and I think we have better opportunities. And I think if the playoff expands and if there's more pressure to to, to schedule more marquee games, we're still going to want to have that paycheck game. And I think Georgia Tech might be the people who pay the price for that. Let's see. Most hated to least hated. Most hated to least hated. So let's let's list a fine rival. Who are we putting in this pool? So we'll have South Carolina, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia Tech, Auburn, those five. Or are we going to add anybody else so. to that? Because like LSU, that's... LSU and Alabama are rivals, but it's like not the same. It's not like a hated rivalry. It's more of like a, a fearful respect. So what's your what's your what's your my most hated? Um, I definitely think Florida and South Carolina are up there. I think Florida is my least favorite. Uh, South Carolina second least, and then it goes Tennessee, Auburn, Tech. I'm gonna say must say the least hated. Uh, five. I would have South Carolina. I don't really have a lot of feelings about them one way or the other. Four. I would have Tennessee because I don't know. I just don't have a lot of feelings about it. I know a lot of Tennessee fans, so it's harder for me to hate them. That's probably what it is. Three. I would have Auburn. I hate their sanctimony. Two. I would have Tech. I just hate them. I just I just can't stand them. They're so classless when they win they when the you when the redcoats were doing a larry munson tribute like the week after larry munson died tech fans booed through it Oof. yeah yeah that's uh, and then number one is florida because you know burn gainesville to the ground salt it blah 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 salt the field etc etc <laughs> you've all heard it hardy yeah you all know this <laughs> uh next question coming through comes from nick j his handle right now is ega going to the peach pole Assuming our future schedules are hel- are upheld and we're all still the- here, when you or I walk between the hedges in 2029 and look up, how many new national championship flags will be mounted on top of the stadium? And then he gives us a nice little over under 1.5. Over under 1.5. I think at the rate we're going, I think we have a very good chance to go to the national championship, if not potentially win it next year. That is my entirely too early hot take for next year's national championship. In the next 10 years, though, how many new national championships do you think we could win? I'm going to take over. I think two. Two is the right number. Two feels good. I think three would be pushing it, but two two feels like two it's feels very, right. very within reach. Yeah. And you can old takes expose me. But I'll be honest, I think in 2029, we're all going to be living in like a dystopian wasteland. So like a cyberpunk <laughs> wasteland. And I'm going to have some kind of awesome cyberpunk arm. Um, but also like a lot of people will die. So... All of, unfortunately, Dr. James Beerfield's um, questions are all from the UMass game, and I might actually freeze sitting out here on the boathouse, and so I am tempted to pick and choose. <laughs> Let's do a couple of them. Okay. Can my Patreon money be put towards a non-clicking mouse? Yes. And actually, is, it, yeah, might, it, might, it might also just get put towards a better microphone that wouldn't pick up a click mouse. Is Ted Cruz the Zodiac Killer? I need stats for this one. Yes. There's your stat. Yes. Correct. <laughs> He's actually he's become he's become aware of the joke at this point. He starts yeah. he's been tweeting things like that, like he is the Zodiac killer. Let's do a couple of housekeeping things. Um, do you want to do these real quick in your housekeeping yeah, notes? So, so housekeeping pieces. So we uh, during the off season, the off season is quickly approaching. We only have a few games potentially left over for the rest of this year. So in the off season, what we're going to be doing is working on getting some fan stories. So if there are any fan stories that you have that you would like to share, um, if you'd like to be a guest on the show or you'd just like to share it so that we can share your story, we would love to do that. There have already been a few people who have come forth with their stories. And so we will be talking through those with those folks. 
we've gotten fan stories from four or five people. I will say we're we're almost we're just going to do a red coat episode. So if you have a red coat love story or a red coat story from China or just something that we can we can share without embarrassing the band or you, uh, let us know. Hit us up, and I have a list of people that we're going to contact this summer. Our very last thing this Friday, Black Friday, will be the Rook and Pawns twenty uh, four hour gameathon. So if those of you those of you who don't know what that is, it is exactly what it sounds like. It is 24 hours of games. So there'll be people teaching games, like myself, Nathan, and a bunch of other friends of ours. And then there'll be people just playing games the whole time. Uh, in addition to that, there will be some opportunities for us to do some podcast stuff. So there'll be, be there'll be some, uh, some podcast programming that'll be going on throughout the day. And uh, if I can convince Nathan to, to do this, which I don't think it'll be that difficult, we're going to do a Chapel Bell Curve Poetry Corner uh, later in the night. So yes, yes. We, since you'll already have a Georgia Tech preview, we're going to do other things we're good at. <laughs> then it'll be a Chapel Bell Curve branded Poetry Corner and or uh, just sharing moment, you know? So mm-hmm. you can expect to see us mm-hmm. there. I think it'll be later in the night around 10, 11 or midnight. So if you're in town and you need something to do, come share a drink uh, and share a poem or something like that if you would like. So come on by. Awesome. This has been Chapel Bell Curve. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can look us up on pretty much any social media platform except for Tumblr because we're not demons or 4chan because we're not Nazis. So if you want to find us, you can search Chapel Bell Curve on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. You can also email us at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com. Check out our website, Chapel Bell Curve. It'll be a hub for everything if you want to find our feed or just play our, uh, play our stuff separately from a podcast player. You can also find us on Patreon. If you give us a little bit of money, you'll get all sorts of extras and also our own, you know, the most powerful coin in the realm, my respect. Um, if you enjoyed today's episode, please, please, please leave us a rating and a review. It helps us so much. We'll catch you in the Classic City on Saturday as we do our, you know, every two year uh, f- insect fumigation of Sanford Stadium. But until then, <laughs> go, go dogs. dogs.